Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. I feel such a stirring in my heart to share on the word. And there's there's a lot of reasons for it, but I'll just, let me just share a few things up front and then we're going to jump in. Um, One of the hardest things is just to have to peel back and just space this thing out because I just want to like vomit all this stuff that the Lord's been showing, but I need to take my time. But this is really going to be, I think, fruitful. And I believe 2021, there's a lot of things that I believe the Lord is going to do, things that we've spoken into. But one of the things I think we're going to be marked by in this new year that God wants to, if we respond, is he wants us marked by hunger for his word. And and there's going to be a rediscovery of delight, passion, like fire for his word. Because as we're going to see, this is so critical. And and I just want to break mindsets that we have when it comes to the word. And I want us to see that this word is ultimately unto encountering the living word, Jesus. And and one of the things that's really important for us right now is that Psalm 119.25, David said, revive me according to your word. Revive me according to your word. And so we've been feeling in our hearts that God wants, I mean, he's doing it like reviving, right? And we've talked about like what that looks like and giving vision for it. But one of the keys that we got to do is in the word. As we're going to see, it's, it's as we learn disciplined in our life to stay connected with the word that our hearts begin to burn. And I believe like what we're longing for, a big part of it, is having a consistent lifestyle in the word. I believe also that the Lord is leading us for this new year. Part of this, this series, I believe, is because God desires for you individually and me and also us corporately to be a voice in 2021 in this hour. And I almost started with this message, but I said, let me wait. But what I mean by that is, is in the day of Jeremiah, the word was scarce. And God was looking for a person to release the word to, to be his voice in that hour. And if we're going to be a voice for God, it means we're going to have to learn how to drown, drown out other voices and prioritize his voice. And I think that's another thing that's going to happen as we go through this. I, I think that we're living in a time where culturally there is, truth is relevant today. Truth is whatever you want it to be, and there's no absolute standard of truth. And there is so much confusion when it comes to the person of Jesus. And if you rely on your Twitter feed, Facebook feed, Instagram feed, any of those social media feeds to know who the person of Jesus is, I promise you this, you will be very confused. And the Lord wants you rooted in his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there's going to be a faith that's released in your heart as you get plugged into the word. All right? So there's a lot of stuff we're going to be going into, but I'm excited to start here today. So open up with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. That's going to be our primary text. I'm going to get in there in just a minute, so you can open up there now. But Luke chapter 24 is is where we're going to be reading today. So since we're talking about the Bible, hopefully you got a Bible or your phone with you. (laughs) Get a notebook out, get a pen. Are you ready? We're about to start this for the next few weeks. I'm telling you, like, it's going to be, it's going to be so good. All right? Is anyone with me? <laughs> Come on, we're alive. We get to meet. We get to be with Jesus. This is a glorious time to be living right now. We were, we were created for such a time as this, like it said to Esther. Like, you are alive today, not by accident. God said, I wanted you here for this hour, and this is a significant hour So let's lock into what the Lord is speaking to us and have our hearts revived by the word. So listen, before we jump into Luke 24, let me say this. When it comes to the word of God, 
I know with myself and probably in this room and those listening online, there is a myriad of thoughts that begin to run through our mind when you hear a pastor say we're going to talk about the Bible. And first and foremost, it can be just daunting. It can be overwhelming. Like, I think about my life, how I was living before the Lord, 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction, had no clue of Jesus. Then God comes by his grace, touches my life. I get born again of the Spirit. I don't even know what I'm brought into, but my heart says it's Jesus. And someone says, if you want to know this man, here's this book, and they put it before me. <laughs> and you're like, where do you even start sometimes? And, and listen, you have the Spirit, so he's the greatest teacher. He's the greatest guider in all the, of the word. So don't be afraid to, to, to plow into that. But what I do find is that if you don't have a plan or some type of idea of where you're going, it can be really hard. So part of what we're going to go through is in weeks to come, I'm going to give some really practical things to help you learn how to meditate on the Word, to help you understand how to really get the Word from just a facts about God to in your heart where it's living and tra transforming you, all right? So we're going to get really practical uh, and really deep at the same time. But some just get daunting. Others, I felt like this in my heart, others, when, it, when you hear the Word, there's an immediate wall that goes up inside because your experience is the Word has been used to beat you up rather than to give life. Now, let me be really clear. When the word is released, it can be like a hammer. It can sting. It can cut. But listen, it's rooted in his goodness. When he cuts, it's unto healing. But some have never experienced that. It's been a book of do's and don'ts that always tell you how you do not measure up, but you've never seen the man who measured up for you. And as a result, there's a wall that goes up with scriptures, but I pray that that thing would break. For some, the word is just boring. It's just old. It's archaic. We do not see a relevance to our heart. And I pray all of that, I trust, is really, it's going to shift and it's going to change. And so my goal for these next few weeks is I don't, I'm not just trying to give tools to make your quiet time with God more bearable. That's not the point of this. I'm not trying to teach us so that we can try to endure before a really boring God. That's actually completely counter. There is fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. David delighted in the word. My, my goal is not just to tell you and me that we need to read the Bible more. That's given. We all know that. We can always go more. But what I want is I want to stir a hunger. I want to provoke passion. I want us to devour the word of God in 2021. And when we begin to see what flows, the fruit of that, I think it's going to stir our hearts. That's, that's what leads us to go deeper. It's not just us white-knuckling it, but it's seeing the fruit of what happens. And so my heart is that this is going to be a rediscovery of hearing the voice of God. Like God speaks, and it, when he speaks, it changes us. And I believe we're going to find a passion to hear his voice again. I believe there's going to be a rediscovery of delight in the word of God. Like the word of God is pleasurable. It is beautiful when we use it for the right means. I believe we're going to have a rediscovery of trembling at the word of God. And trembling is not a painful thing. It's not a bad thing. It means it's actually a freeing thing. It means that you, you, his voice takes ownership over every other voice in your life. And that the fear of God overrides the fear of man. And that when he speaks, we yield to that. That's the trembling at his word. When you hear it, you say, this thing's got to touch my life. I can't just be casual towards it. So I think all these things are going to flow. I believe that God is going to release and restore our eyes open to the power of God's word. It heals. Listen, these, th this text, my goodness, my life has changed by encountering Jesus through this word. And I want to fill our hearts with an expectation that when we get in this word, Jesus, the living word, is ready to be met. And healing takes place. Like we're going to talk about a message of strongholds being broken. And God was speaking to me, if you abide in the truth, if you abide in the word, you shall walk in freedom. 
And I believe like a lot of the issues we have is because we don't abide in the truth. And if we make it a part of our life, strongholds break. I'm so excited for all the things that the Lord is going to share. Reconciliation. I mean, I've had restoration with me and my wife through someone leading us through the scriptures. Like, I remember when I was so broken, if, if my wife remembers, we were in Tudor City, and there was a, a Christian counselor on the phone. I didn't know anything about the word, and she shared something, and I came off weeping, saying, Crystal, look at this. Look what it says. I felt life literally touch my heart from the word of God. Like, all of these things are going to take place. 2 Timothy 3, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching and correcting, and rebuking, and encouraging, and training us in righteousness so that we are prepared for every good work. Like this scripture is powerful. Do you, listen to me. This is where we're going to kind of be going today. Jesus is the living word. He's the living word. Do you know what's fascinating? You know what really hit me? Look at Jesus, the living word, the perfect communication of the Father. Look at his relationship to the written word. Jesus anchored his life in the text. He's always saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He could have just spoke because he is the word, but instead, he's always reminding himself and living in the text. He found a security in having his life anchored in the text. How much then we need that? He always said, it is written. He quotes the Old Testament, 27 of the 39 books Jesus quotes. That's over two-thirds. Do you know that when Jesus was led into the wilderness... By the Spirit, fasted 40 days, frail. His, the humanity of Jesus is just like, it's being touched. It's weak. He's hungry. Satan comes at that hour, and what does Jesus say every time Satan comes? It is written. It is written. Do you know that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that one that he walked with for three years would betray him, he's found in the Garden with the weight of taking on humanity's sin, and he's found praying Scripture to the Father. When he's on the cross and he's literally ripped open from the cat of nine tails and suffocating to death, do you know what he's doing? He's not swearing. He's not cursing. He's quoting Psalm 22 back to the Father. Every time, listen, when life squeezes you, what's inside comes out. That's a sobering thing for my life because I can put on a good front, but when life squeezes, stuff starts coming out. When Jesus was squeezed, what came out of him? The Word. How deep was the word in Jesus when he was squeezed at its deepest moment? That's the only thing that came out. I want to have the word inside of me like that. When life presses me, no matter what I go through, I speak the word over my life. I speak it over me. Man, I'm, I'm just, I'm so fired up for this. So the purpose of today for us, here's what I want to do. I want to start, it's, it's foundational, but I believe it's going to be rich. And that's, I'm going to say this probably a billion times today in the next few minutes before we leave, and that is that the primary purpose of reading this Bible, the written word, is to encounter the living word. That is so important. Most of the issues that we have with reading the scriptures is because we've lost sight of that. Most of the reason why it becomes outdated, we feel it doesn't connect, we feel like it lacks power, it gets, it leads us to get puffed up, there's manipulation with it, is because we've lost sight that it's actually meant to lead us to Jesus. John 5.39, Jesus said to the Pharisees, very well-known scripture, he says, you diligently search the scriptures, thinking that in them there is eternal life. Now, he commends them for reading the scriptures diligently, but he says, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me. You're not willing to come to me to have life. Jesus says, search the scriptures, but know this, they're not an end of themselves. They are a means to an end to meet with me. 
And when we start seeing that the scriptures are actually in place to meet with a man, the man of truth, we no longer read this word just for information. We start reading it and seeing it as an invitation into relationship. And once that happens, everything shifts. And my heart today is that the next time you go home tonight and you open up this word, your heart is going to be burning knowing that there's a man of truth on the other side just waiting to meet with you. Not just to fill your mind with facts about him, but Jesus is saying, I want to meet with you through this. And that there's an expectation that he's right there. This is what happens, and this is where we're changed. And so often I'm like, God, where are you? I want to find you. And we're going to see that Jesus says, man, you just open up your word with that type of heart posture, and you will find me right here. Amen? All right, so let's look at this. Luke chapter 24. I'm going to start in verse 13. Look, I'm going to read a a lot of text today. It's all in one thing. I'm only going to highlight a few sections, but I want you to see context here. And so I'm going to read Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. All right, everyone there? You got something to take notes? Let's look at the Bible in Jesus today. So this is a well-known story. Uh, Here's the quick context. You have two disciples on the road to Emmaus, okay? It's three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. In fact, what we find out later on the story is that these two disciples encountered the women who saw the resurrected Christ. They still had a lot of disbelief. So what's happening is they're now on a a seven-mile walk, it says, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and their hearts are discouraged. They put their hope in Jesus. Now they're questioning, is he really the one? And what we're going to find is Jesus is going to meet them on this road and go through the greatest Bible study ever recorded. Seven miles. Seven miles takes about, every mile takes about 15 minutes to walk, right? That's a normal mile pace. So you're talking about an hour and 45-minute, two-hour walk where Jesus is going to unpack the scriptures to these men. And I want you to see this. this is so beautiful. So verse 13 says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Verse 15. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus meets them on the road as they're moving from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Verse 16 is so important, guys. Look at verse 16. It says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Okay, just stop for a moment. This is the stuff when you're reading, you got to stop and say, wait a minute. Jesus always acts with purpose and intention. This is strange and bizarre because Luke 4 says that one of the reasons why the Spirit of God came upon Jesus when he was in the synagogue, he opened up the Scriptures, he quotes Isaiah 61, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to give recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritually and physically. He came to open up eyes. And yet here we find Jesus on the road to Emmaus with these two men. It says their eyes were kept shut from seeing that it was really him. And this is really important because you're going to see how Jesus desires to be revealed to these men. So he he closes their eyes. They can't see it. They think it's just an ordinary man. And verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So Cleopas kind of gets bold with him. He doesn't know who it is. And he's like, are you kidding me? Have you been living under a rock? Do you not know all that's happened? And I love Jesus. Look at verse 19. And he said to them, what things? (laughs) 
if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, just read this. They're talking about him. They're trying to make sense of what happened. And Jesus is saying, what things do you guys tell? What happened to this man, Jesus? And it says, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Just stay with me. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find this, his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. So they're describing all the events of what's happening, but they're saying, man, Jesus, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what to believe. And look right here when we get to verse 25 and verse to verse 27. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And right here, verse 27, so important. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus begins to work from the beginning of Moses through all of the prophets. He takes all the scriptures and he begins to reveal to their hearts that all of scripture testifies to him. It is the greatest Bible study that ever occurred on earth. And it is the most vivid picture of what our Bible study should be about. We engage the written word to encounter the living word. Guys, I pray that if you leave here and you are marked by that, it's been a success today. And your Bible study will change. Jesus opens the written word and says, guys, it's all about me. Now check this out. Remember, he had their eyes closed. He would not open them. Why? He could have showed up on the road to Emmaus and just went, hello, it's me, eyes open and giving him a crazy experience, which God's all about experience we see here. But he doesn't do that because, listen, experiences are important, but they can fade. He wanted them rooted in the word because he knew that what would come in their lives, persecution, he knew the stories that would arise, that they needed the substance of faith to hit their hearts, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so he purposely had their eyes closed and said, I'm going to reveal myself to these men through the written word so faith touches their hearts. Like Jesus is waiting to be revealed to our hearts through the written word right here. So if you're saying, where is Jesus? I can't find him. I'm looking at all these places. Jesus says, come with an open heart, write any scriptures. Every day we can meet with Jesus. Every day we can meet with Jesus. I love this. He takes them through Moses, through all of the prophets. He shows how the entire word points to Jesus. Do you know that? It's all about him. Do you know that the Bible, this word, this word right here, this word spans 1,500 years. It was written in different cultures through different kingdoms. There were different people groups, different eras. It was written by, in three primary languages. It was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. It was written by 40 authors. These authors come from different positions, different places. Some were in caves, some were in pits, some were in palaces, some were poets, some were politicians, some were kings, some were priests, some were businessmen, some were tent makers. And all of these years and all these men, do you know what the whole thing is about? It's Jesus. It's all unto the living word. Everything was about him. 
this word is like a frame that sets, that provides a context for us to see the portrait of the man Jesus. But sadly what happens is many argue over the frame. Many say, well, I think it's metal. Well, I think it's wood. Well, I think it should be square. I think it's once saved, always saved. I think it's pre-trip. I think it's post-trip. And yeah, you have your positions. Have your preferences. Be passionate. But in the arguing over the frame, they miss the man Jesus in it. And as Eric Gilmore said, men would rather argue than adore. And our hearts aren't burning because our Bible study is unto all these other things other than meeting with Jesus. And if we come here and say, man, this is a frame for me to see the man of truth, our lives will change. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. <laughs> because God is downloading this in my heart, and I feel a sense of like, I, man, I have such expectation when I rise in the morning to be with the Lord. We're going to talk about that, the power of the morning, biblically. I'm telling you, we're going to get real practical where you can really meet with God. The mornings are really special. You find in the morning, men would wake up, women wake up. It's going to be so good, but... We all, it's all about encountering Jesus, the living word. Guys, surround yourself with leaders, teachers, friends, who when they open up the text to you, it's about Jesus. In an age where we have access to so many voices, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to hear so many people preach, but just know this, make sure their primary purpose for expounding the text is to make your heart burn for Jesus. Be weary of those who don't make, lead you to Jesus, but they use Jesus as a pawn to make a point so that their sermon sounds really good. He's deeper than a point. He is the point. And you can have points, but you know what? I love Bible study, but if Bible study's not onto the revelation of Jesus, I don't want it. Do you know what makes a heart burn? When Bible studies make it about Jesus. You're going to see that these men's hearts burned when they heard the scriptures opened up because Jesus was the central focus of what was happening. Are you with me? It is futile to search the Old and New Testament for truth and not expect to encounter the man of truth. You cannot come to a point of truth and not encounter the man of truth. It's futile to do that. He is truth. In fact, I would say this. It's not only futile, it's dangerous. Because you start getting puffed up, things get really twisted, manipulated. Or, you know what's one of the most dangerous things, and it's happened in my life, is when we come under doctrinal statements that are void of relationship with Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the substance of power that allows us to walk in those truths. Which means if you take Jesus out, we come under a powerless statement. I come under grace. I say I'm under grace. Grace is transformative. But without the man grace, I come under a statement that's not changing me. So I'm stuck in the same cycles of sin saying I'm under grace, I'm under grace, but I'm not changing because I don't know the man grace. And then what begins to happen is, is maturity is marked by knowledge rather than transformation. So what begins to take place is when we don't have that, we start saying, how mature are you? Well, I'll, I'll recite all that I know. But rather than saying, well, what does your life look like? If, if, if you walk in, what does holiness look like in your life? What does righteousness look like? It's not just a statement to come under. It's a man. He is truth. He is righteousness. He is holiness. Are you with me? Do you know, do you know um, so I just, I've told you, this is my like one point. <laughs> the word is about Jesus. It's just a simple message, but the word, the word is inspired by God, right? 2 Timothy 3. What does that mean? It means that man penned it, but Holy Spirit inspired man, which means the Holy Spirit really is the one who wrote the word through man. 
Now, man's personality comes through. His, his writing style comes through. It's beautiful. You see the humanity of man, but you see the divinity of God and that it was inspired by the Spirit. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, what is his primary job? To testify about Jesus. So if every book in the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's job is to testify about Jesus, what does every book in the Bible do? Testify about Jesus. Do you see Jesus in Daniel? Do you see Jesus in Leviticus as the true priest? Do you see Jesus in Exodus as the true redeemer who brought us out of sin, Egypt? Everywhere you look, when you open the scriptures, this is what I do, in the, especially in the Old Testament, I say, where's grace, where's truth? I want to see Jesus. I have to see him. I want to see, like, how does, how does this ultimately point to him? Holy Spirit speaks in so many ways. <laughs> Listen, I love Holy Spirit. We love Holy Spirit here. We love all the ways Holy Spirit speaks. We are open and we desire for him to speak through all the ways. He speaks through spiritual gifts. He speaks through the small, still voice. He speaks through signs and wonders. Um, I mean, man, when Crystal and I started this church, we almost planted in Riverhead. He used a plant to reveal that we were planting in the wrong spot, right? Holy Spirit will speak through many ways, and we love all those ways. He's so relational. But here's what I'll say, is when Holy Spirit speaks, there's two things you need to know. Number one, his favorite topic is Jesus. <laughs> and number two, it'll never contradict this word. It'll always be in alignment with what you see in this word. It doesn't mean that everything is word for word. There was nothing in the scripture that told me that I was supposed to come to Mastic Beach. But when I looked at the word and I began to see the call of God on man's lives, I could bear witness in my spirit that I was hearing from the Lord. You with me? So I was thinking about this. This is really cool. I think so. It was really stirring my heart. Is that uh, everything is written by the spirit. The spirit testifies about Jesus. And do you know that Jesus' name is the word? You guys know that? I know I'm saying he's a living word, but do you know that there's two places in scripture where his actual name is the word. The Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and eventually in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. So literally, the Word, like the Scriptures, in the most perfect way, manifested and walked among us so that we could see what it looks like to be a true son of God, which applies to sons and daughters, right? So this is what was stirring my heart. Matthew 12, 43 says, out of the abundance of one's heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So my wife's making noises, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to speak in this, right? If I, if I love my wife, right? But until I say it, she doesn't know what's in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your words reveal the secrets of your heart. So until I say, I love you, she doesn't know that. But once I say it, my words become a bridge to connect her with the desires of my heart. Jesus is the perfect word. Meaning Jesus is the revelation of the Father's heart for you. Out of the abundance of God's heart, he spoke a perfect word, Jesus. You see Jesus, you see the Father's heart. That's what Jesus taught. You see him heal, you know the Father wants to heal. You see him provide, you know the Father's a provider. You see him confront, confront the temple, you know the Father's a righteous judge. See Jesus, see the Father, right? And th then this was getting me real excited, is I was thinking about how when you're interested in someone, right? Again, I'll use my wife for example. When I, when I saw my wife, this is pre-Christ days, so just bear with me. We were, we were in a bar. She was bartending. And I, and I saw her, 
and I just knew, I knew, I knew she was the one. I don't always own up to that because I wanted her to think that she had to come to me, but I knew she was the one. And when I saw her, I was with my friend, and, uh, and I said, man, I, I really, I'm interested in her. And he said, what we'd all say, go talk to her. If you're interested, start a conversation. If you're interested, start a dialogue with her. And I, I realized that Jesus is God's conversation starter. God started a, a dialogue with us in the person of Jesus. He is the word saying, I want you. And he leads us back to the Father. It's all about him. So let's keep reading this. Look at verse 28. Jesus gives him the greatest Bible study ever, pointing to himself. And then verse 28 says this. So they drew near to the village. Oh, man, this is so good. This gets better and better. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him. They constrained him. They would not let him go, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and, day, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. He has communion with them. This is really powerful. They're having communion. They're now engaging with the table with the Lord. And then verse 31 says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So listen, after unpacking the Old Testament, Jesus, listen, I feel like God, this is what God does when we start encountering him in the word. He, he puts a fork in the road for us. Their, their hearts are getting stirred because they're encountering him. They're going to testify that their hearts were burning. And Jesus says, guys, I'm going to keep on going. It's like he puts that out there to see what will they do. He's given a little bit of revelation. He says their hearts are being stirred and he knows it. But rather than him just doing it for them, he says, I'm going to keep on going, guys, waiting to see. Will they say, no, 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 no. Our hearts are burning. We're not going to let you go. We want to know more about you. We, we're going to constrain you. And I believe the Lord is looking for that type of response when we're in the Word studying and encountering Jesus. He often gives a little bit of revelation, not as a conclusion, but as an invitation to say there's more if you want it. But oftentimes we see it as a conclusion because although there's value in Bible studies, I've done my allotted Bible study time, I close the book and Jesus says, man, I was doing that to woo you to come deeper into me. And he begins to stir my heart and I say, oh, thank you for that revelation, that's so good, I'm gonna keep going on. And Jesus, wait, wait, there was so much more if you would have just pressed into it. Man, we talked a few weeks ago about receiving and taking. I don't know if you guys remember that in the knowledge of God. Here's where both are manifesting. He, they received Jesus as he opened the words. And then he said, now, now it's a time, do you want to take? Now is a time where you can go deeper. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 4. Remember the bride finds the bridegroom and she says, I found the one whom my soul loves and I will not let him go. They would not let him go in this story. Genesis 28, Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. You know what he said? I will not let him go until I am blessed. The Lord is looking for a people that would say, I will not let him go. I'm thankful for what he's done, but there is so much more. God, I'm pressing into that. Does that make sense? So when you start feeling, listen, I understand there's, days are different, but when you have that time and you know you've done the allotted Bible reading, all right, there's value in the Bible reading plans. I'm going to give some of those out in the next few weeks. But when you start feeling that, have, has like, am I alone? I'm, I know I'm not. I'm just, right? You feel your heart burning because Jesus is revealing himself. Just know right there, 
It's an invitation from God to come deeper. And he'll keep moving. He would have kept moving. Can you imagine that? They would have missed that. But they said, no, we're not going to let you go. We're going to take this. So let's keep reading this. Verse 32. My goodness, it gets even better. (laughs) This is my favorite verse, I think, of this whole thing. It completes the entirety of what Bible study and the word is all about. Verse 32. This is the only thing the disciples could speak about after their Bible study with Jesus. Look what they said. They said to each other, man, he took a long time speaking to us. <laughs> they said, man, I don't ever want to do that again. No, no, no. Verse 32 says, they said to each other, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? My goodness. Guys, this is the greatest summary of what Bible study is about. You take the written word to encounter the living word, and when that happens, your heart begins to burn. And I, I want for this year, for me, for you, and especially in this first month that we're doing this, I want us to walk in this. I want our hearts to be filled with passion, zeal. I want our hearts to get tender before the Lord. I want our hearts to be consumed by God by, through the written word. Remember, he could have opened their eyes and done it any other way. God loves to reveal himself as the word through the written word. Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews eleven twenty nine, Ezekiel 8, 2. Ezekiel said, when I saw the Son of Man in appearance, he was like fire and amber. John said, when I saw the resurrected Christ, his eyes were like fire, and his face shines like the midday sun. Our God is a burning fire, and when you encounter that God, guess what happens? Your heart burns. If you feel cold, dry, and you're like, well, what do I got to do? It's really simple. It's the ancient path. Jeremiah 6.16, cry out for it, stand in it, and you'll find rest for your souls. What do I got to do? What more? What, what new thing? The Lord says, no, it's always been this. Come back in the word and encounter me, and I promise you, your heart will burn. Do, do you know that this is revival? This is revival. A heart that burns for the Lord. Like, this is what we're longing for. And, and I, listen, I love the immediates of God. And we need those. We need where someone comes in and we lay hands and there's a unique grace that's released on their life. Something's broken open. But if you're not careful, what can happen is you'll just depend on those things. Next to the next to the next. And the Lord says, I've got something better. I will have your heart continually, perpetually sustained in a burning fire if you learn to make this a daily habit with me. You don't have to wait for someone to just lay hands on you. That's powerful. We do that because it takes us into new seasons and, and like new levels. But you can have your heart burning just with him. A lot of times the way I describe my Bible study with, with, with the Lord is I, I was perpetually living in a dry season. Like if you ask me what's the word of God like, I'd be like, man, I'm just in a, I'm in a dry season. I'm just pushing through it. But you know what this text tells me? That their hearts are burning. The word of God, you were meant to feel it. It was meant to move you. It was meant to touch you. It, sh- it was never meant to be something dry, calloused, dead. It becomes that when we lose sight that it's meant to lead us to Jesus. But when we see it for what it is, our hearts begin to burn. We're meant to feel it. I pray that our cry would be like Jeremiah. Chapter 20, verse 9, he says, the word of God is in my heart like a burning fire. Do you think Jeremiah didn't feel that? Do you think it's just something he said? Come on, you know when the word is burning, you've had those moments. God says, that's something that you experience and you feel. 
God prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 33. He says, I'm going to put the law in your minds and I'm going to write it on your hearts. He says, the word is going to get on the inside of you. You're going to feel it. It's going to touch you. Your heart's going to be moved by it. It's going to burn deeply. It's going to burn deeply. Like this is the expectation the Lord wants us to have in this new year for the word. And I'll say this. I think a lot of times we, we are hesitant to cultivate a burning heart because Christianity has so demonized feelings and emotions. Now let me be very clear. You cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. But should you be led, should you be led by your emotions? No. Be very careful about that. But you can't sustain a walk of faith without the power of God touching your heart. Love feels like something, guys. The love of God was poured out by the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. It's palpable. It should be something that touches us. And what's happening here is they're not just saying, man, the word of God is really powerful and walking through it. They're saying we're, we're experiencing something deep within our hearts. Our hearts are burning. So let's finish it out right here. These last few verses. Verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. I love that. They just spent seven miles going the other direction. Now they go seven miles back with a burning heart ready to release the word of God. That's what happens when we get in Bible study like this. This is Bible study. I pray book of Acts will do this. And then it says, uh, verse 34, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Verse 35, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now check this out. This is so beautiful. Verse 36 as they, meaning Cleopas and the other disciple, as they were talking about these things, what things? Things they experienced, but also how Jesus opened himself up in the word and how he was fulfilled the word. As they were saying these things, who shows up? Jesus himself shows up. So as the word of God burns in their hearts and they encounter Jesus, as they start releasing the word to other people, guess who shows up in the midst? Jesus. Like he's here right now by his spirit. He's here right now to release a grace for our hearts to burn. Like if, 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 if your experience has been dry and dull, I want you to know that we can pray today and I believe there's a grace that's going to be released in your life. Now we have to then say yes tonight, tomorrow, but that thing will start to burn. You'll start to fan that flame into your heart. Jesus shows up and stood among them and said to them, here's the last section where we'll close. Same what I read for communion. The disciples are are hiding another story, but they're hiding out of fear because Jesus is dead and they think they're going to be crucified. Jesus comes to them, like we said before, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. That's really important. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39, see my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So twice he shows his hands and feet to them and say, guys, it's really me. It's not some disembodied spirit. In fact, to prove it, he says, give me some fish. That's what he's about to say. Uh, verse 42, he says, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. And this is where we'll finish. Check this out. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Why is that so important? Because once again, we see what Jesus did before. Jesus is proving his resurrection to them. But what, more, what proof do you need with Jesus standing with his holes in his hands and his feet and eating broiled fish? Twice he said, touch my hands and my feet. He said, I'm going to eat fish before you. He should have after that said, and now I'm gone. You've had this experience, I'm gone, you're good. He does not do that. This is so important, guys. After they experience Jesus in this powerful way, he then takes them into the scriptures and gets them rooted in the word of what they experienced. Because he knows that our memories are fickle. He knows that experiences are powerful, but they will fade. He, he knows that there's going to be accounts that emerge that say it's not true, someone stole his body, it's not what you think. He knows that persecution and trial are going to come. And he knows that if all they had was that experience, as powerful as it was, if they weren't grounded and rooted in the scriptures, they would not be able to have the faith to withstand what is coming. It's not an either or. We need the deep, we love the deep experiences of God. This is so important for our body. We are a prophetic community. That means, listen, I'm like so encouraged by the dreams. It's like Acts 2. Spirit poured out. There's dreams, there's visions, there's prophecy. God is moving mightily. That should be the marks of a New Testament church. Those things should be normal. And they are blowing up in this church in a beautiful way. But Jesus shows us that with those things, while we're in the heavens encountering God, we need to be in the scriptures that are rooting us with what we're experiencing. If you're not... If you're not, what happens is, I've seen this over and over, the wind of life comes, a trial comes, and there was no root, and the person's gone. And you say, I don't understand. They were so spiritual. That wasn't even a strong wind. There was no root system. And so we want to, I want to touch the holes of Jesus' hands and feet. But then what happens is then the Lord says, now I want to take you in the scriptures and root you in what you experience. Does that make sense? When Jesus, when Jesus was on Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appeared. Really powerful encounter. And he had his inner circle. Peter, James, and John were up there, and they saw it. And what's really interesting is that those same disciples later on questioned, among the others, Elijah. There was a lot of questions about who was Elijah, and he's supposed to come back. And what's really interesting is that Jesus doesn't point them to that encounter that he had on Mount of Transfiguration. He could have said, well, remember what happened? Instead, both times they ask him, he says this, it is written. Both times he returns with the word because he knows that they have to be grounded in the word. So listen, this is really important for our community. As we are seeing God move mightily, dreams, vision, all of these things, we have to equally be pressing into the word. If not, what happens is one day we're in the heavens, the next day he says, I don't even believe in Jesus anymore. And how did that happen? We didn't root ourselves in faith. Does that make sense? So worship team, come on up, if you would. I don't mean to say it like that, please. <laughs> please. Oh, man, do I have this? I do. I forgot about this. <laughs> this wouldn't even really do justice. I need to figure out a, a right illustration. But, guys, to talk about all the scriptures are about Jesus, do you know that it's estimated 
uh, the, the safe numbers, about 350 prophecies have already been fulfilled uh, about Jesus. 350 prophecies. Do you know, I was listening to a Christian mathematician, do you know the probability of one man fulfilling 350 prophecies about himself? 84 times 10 to the 123rd power. The human language breaks down when you get to that type of probability. We cannot define it, so we have to just say it's to the power. So just to give you a visual, which this still, it doesn't do much, because what does this mean? This is 84 with 123 zeros after it. Get in there in the camera. That's, this, my wife said, it looks like a kid who just kept writing zeros after it. <laughs> That's the probability of one man fulfilling all these prophecies. It's all about him. And listen, we need to be grounded, rooted in the word. Isaiah 48 says, the grass and the flowers, they'll wither away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Listen, Memories can pass away, things can happen, what we did in this tent can pass away, but when you get rooted in the word, you are firm and secure. And this is a word, this is a year, we're gonna be rooted in that word, yes? So why don't you stand with me? And listen, we're just gonna worship for a few minutes. You know how it is here, we're family. If people need to go, it's no problem at all. But we're just gonna worship. I'm gonna have uh, Vicky and Don, will be over here. If people wanna pray, if you struggle with the word, some of those mindsets, like you've been beat over the head with it, or it's dry, or whatever it is, if God has just stirred something in your heart, man, come and seek the Lord. You can do it at your seat, you can come up here. If you come on here, then that's a sign that you want prayer, so just know that don't, someone's gonna lay hands on you, all right? But if you wanna stay there, you can stay, but hey, let's just seek the Lord in this new year, and I just believe there's gonna be like fire released in our hearts for, for encountering Jesus, yes? Yes. Let's do it. in these last few minutes together. I've shared the word and it's unto this moment to meet with the living word. So even right now, Jesus, I pray by your spirit that you would, oh, you would break mindsets. I pray for those who have been wounded in the wrong way by the word. Oh, Lord, I pray that that, that would not keep them from coming from the very thing that can set them free. We come against that right now in Jesus' name. I pray for a, a renewed mind, a fresh start in Jesus' name. I pray, like David said, you would open their eyes to the wonderful things that are in your word. I pray they would see it's not just this do's and don'ts, but it's leading us to meet with the man Jesus. I pray for those that have seen it as old. It's dull. It's boring. I pray right now, Lord. I pray right now. Holy Spirit, we need you to show up. I pray that you would begin to release a, just a burning desire in their heart for the word. I pray for grace, grace, grace we speak over every life here. That the mornings would be marked by incredible encounters with you, Lord. The nights would be marked by incredible encounters with you. I pray we would meditate on your word day and night and we would prosper in all that we do, Lord. I pray for those who are fickle in their walk with you up and down. I pray for a steadfastness to be released by being rooted in your word in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
relationship. We come against religion. It's relationship. It's relationship. He broke open Moses and the prophets all concerning himself to a man, to a person. them in Jesus name the word touch them in Jesus name let it move them in Jesus name Bible study in the book of Acts, Lord. I pray that we would actually not just read about it, but we'd begin to walk in it, Lord. We'd walk in all that you have for us, Lord.
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And I've never known a love like this before. I've never felt a touch like this before. I've never known a love like this before. What can I but fall in love with you. I've never known love like this before. I've never felt a touch like this before. I've never known love like this before. What can I do but fall No, I can't walk away, for I have seen your face. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I can't walk away. I can't walk. And I can't walk away. No, I can't walk away. For I have seen your face, and I can't walk away, and I just want to be where you are, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. and I just want to be near your heart, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. there is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love. abundance of God's heart he has spoken to you Jesus Lord I pray against dryness I just pray against that religious thing that just creeps in when we read the word Lord I just pray God that it'd be fresh and alive fresh and alive leading us deeper into the person of Jesus I pray against I pray against that arguing spirit in Jesus' name. I pray we wouldn't argue over the frame one more second, but we would be locked into the man, the portrait. Yeah, I pray for grace to take, Lord. I pray for grace when you present those crossroads in our life, in those Bible studies, Lord, where you're inviting us to something more. God, may we, we go on that treasure hunt and see the fruit and the blessing of what comes when we press in, God, and we do not stop. Do it in me, Lord. May this be a new year marked by us saying yes in those crossroads, Lord.
with fresh encounters, Lord. Us meeting and breaking bread with you, Lord. I just pray, Lord. I just pray for that person whose the word is just, it's just not been alive. It's not been alive. I just pray the next time they open it up, just say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Holy Spirit, I'm here to meet with Jesus. Lead me to Jesus. pray when life squeezes us, the word would come out. Teach us, Holy Spirit, what a lifestyle would look like to get the word that deep into us. Help us, Holy Spirit, not to hold back to that lifestyle. meeting with us. You're worthy of everything. And I just pray a blessing over your people. I pray a blessing over those that are home. I pray a blessing over those whose bodies have been affected by this, this virus. And I just pray, may they meet with you, Jesus, and experience your supernatural healing, your supernatural peace. Jesus' name, Lord, I pray as we go forth, may this word find soil of humility in our hearts and produce great fruit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.